Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read ACIMOE. Also on that webpage, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up, where you can sign up to receive an excellent daily email, including both the text reading for the day as well as the lesson. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading of Chapter 15, The Purpose of Time, with Section 8. The Holy Spirit, whoopsie, the Holy Instant in Communication. We're also mindful of our review lesson today, review lesson 172, like all of the reviews included in section review 5, it is preceded and surrounded by the idea God is but love, and therefore so am I. Reviewing two lessons today, in my defenselessness my safety lies, and I am among the ministers of God. And by way of opening this morning, I'd like to share this poem from Helen Shuckman in her book, The Gifts of God, called Renunciation. Renunciation. You are not asked to sacrifice the good or the desirable in any way. You are asked only to renounce all things that would destroy your peace, for God is love. Center your thoughts on him and you will see he gives you everything with neither more nor less conceivable from this time forth and on to the eternal. Sorrow is inaccurate perception. Pain is but a sad mistake. Renounce but this and you call unto Christ to pardon and renew. In my defenselessness, my safety lies, and I am among the ministers of God. I like that poem for today's reading. Yeah, I like it too. Thank you. That was a good it was one. perfect. Thank mm-hmm. you. Thanks, you guys. I just can't even tell you what a privilege to find those every morning. And I'm grateful you let me do that. So here's our reading list this morning. We have Lemoyne, Fran, Karen, and Robin Marie. We're joined in listening this morning by Harrison and Charles. Has anyone else joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Thank you, Lori. Good morning. It's Jude. I would love to read this morning. Excellent. Thank you, Judy. Anyone else? Okay, for now, here we go. In chapter um, 15. Sorry, um, this is Jessica, and I'd like to read too, sorry. <laughs> Got distracted. Thank you, Jessica. I thought you would say so. Okay, here we go. In chapter 15, The Purpose of Time, 
We're reading today Section 8, The Holy Instant in Communication, in paragraph 65. Beyond the poor attraction of the special love relationship and always obscured by it is the powerful attraction of the father for his son. There is no other love that can satisfy you because there is no other love. This is the only love that is fully given and fully returned. Being complete, it asks nothing. Being wholly pure, everyone joined in it has everything. This is not the basis for any relationship in which the ego enters, for every relationship on which the ego embarks is special. The ego establishes relationships only to get something, and it would keep the giver bound to itself through guilt. Hmm. Lemoyne. Thank you, Laurie. Um, Chapter 15, The Purpose of Time. (laughs) The Holy Instant and Communication. Beyond the poor attraction of the special love relationship and always obscured by it is the powerful attraction of the father for his son. There is no other love that can satisfy you because there is no other love. This is the only love that is fully given and fully returned. Being complete, it asks for nothing. Being wholly pure, everyone joined in it has everything. This is not the basis for any relationship in which the ego enters. For every relationship upon which the ego embarks is special. The ego establishes relationships only to get something, and it would keep the giver bound to itself through guilt. It is impossible for the ego to enter into any relationship without anger, for the ego believes that anger makes friends. This is not its statement, but is its purpose. For the ego really believes that it can get and keep by making guilty. This is its one attraction, an attraction so weak that it would have no hold at all, except that no one recognizes it. For the ego always seems to attract through love and has no attraction at all to anyone who perceives that it attracts through guilt. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 66. It is impossible for the ego to enter into any relationship without anger. For the ego believes that anger makes friends. <coughs> Excuse me. This is not its statement, but it is its purpose. For the ego really believes that it can get and keep by making guilty. This is its one attraction. An attraction so weak that it would have no hold at all, except that no one recognizes it. For the ego always seems to attract through love and has no attraction at all to anyone who perceives that it attracts through guilt. 
67. The sick attraction of guilt must be recognized for what it is. For having been made real to you, it is essential to look at it clearly and by withdrawing your investment in it to learn to let it go. No one would choose to let go what he believes has value. Yet the attraction of guilt has value to you only because you have not looked at what it is and have judged it completely in the dark. As we bring it to light, your only question will be why it was you ever wanted it. You have nothing to lose by looking open-eyed at this, for ugliness such as this belongs not in your holy mind. The host of God can have no real investment here. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. 67. The sick attraction of guilt must be recognized for what it is. For having been made real to you, it is essential to look at it clearly and by withdrawing your investment in it to learn to let it go. No one would choose to let go what he believes has value. Yet the attraction of guilt has value to you only because you have not looked at what it is and have judged it completely in the dark. As we bring it to light, your only question will be why it was you ever wanted it. You have nothing to lose by looking open-eyed at this, for ugliness such as this belongs not in your holy mind. The host of God can have no real investment here. 68. We said before that the ego attempts to maintain and increase guilt, but in such a way that you do not recognize what it would do to you. For it is the ego's fundamental doctrine that what you do to others, you have escaped. The ego wishes no one well, yet its survival depends on your belief that you are exempt from its evil intentions. It counsels, therefore, that if you are host to it, it will enable you to direct the anger that it holds outward thus protecting you, and thus it embarks on an endless, unrewarding chain of special relationships forged out of anger and dedita- dedicated to but one insane belief, that the more anger you invest outside yourself, the safer you become. Thank you, Karen and Robert Marie. Sixty-eight. We said before that the ego attempts to maintain and increase guilt, but in such a way that you do not recognize what it would do to you. For it is the ego's fundamental doctrine that what you do to others, you have escaped. The ego wishes no one well. Yet its survival depends on your belief that you are exempt from its evil intentions. It counsels, therefore, that if you are host to it, it will enable you to direct the anger that it holds outward, thus protecting you, 
and thus it embarks on an endless, unrewarding chain of special relationships forged out of anger and dedicated to but one insane belief that the more anger you invest outside yourself, the safer you become. 69. It is this chain that binds the Son of God to guilt, and it is this chain the Holy Spirit would remove from his holy mind. For the chain of savagery belongs not around the chosen host of God, who cannot make himself host to the ego. In the name of his release, and in the name of him who would release him, let us look more closely at the relationships which the ego contrives, and let the Holy Spirit judge them truly. For it is certain that if you look at them, you will offer them gladly to him. What he can make of them, you do not know. But you will become willing to find out if you are willing first to perceive what you have made of them. Thank you, Robin Marie and Judy. Thank you, Lori. It is this chain that binds the Son of God to guilt, and it is this chain the Holy Spirit would remove from his holy mind. For the chain of savagery belongs not around the chosen host of God, who cannot make himself host to the ego. In the name of his release, and in the name of capital him, who would release him? Let us look more closely at the relationships which the ego contrives, and let the Holy Spirit judge them truly. For it is certain that if you will look at them, you will offer them gladly to him. What he can make of them, you do not know, but you will become willing to find out if you are willing first to perceive what you have made of them. Sounds important. (laughs) In one way or another, every relationship which the ego makes is based on the idea that by sacrificing itself, it becomes bigger. The sacrifice which it regards pure purification is actually the root of its bitter resentment. For it would much prefer to attack directly and avoid delaying what it really wants. Yet the ego acknowledges, quote, reality, unquote, as it sees it, and recognizes that no one could interpret direct attack as love. Yet to make guilty is direct attack but does not seem to be. For the guilty expect attack, and having asked for it, they are attracted to it. Ooh-wee, thank you. Thank you, Judy. And Jessica. Okay. Um, 70, in one way or another, 
Every relationship which the ego makes is based on the idea that by sacrificing itself, it becomes bigger. The, quote, sacrifice, which it regards as purification, is actually the root of its bitter resentment. For it would much prefer to attack directly and avoid delaying what it really wants. Yet the ego acknowledges, quote, reality as it sees it and recognizes that no one could interpret direct attack as love. Yet to make guilty is direct attack, but does not seem to be. For the guilty expect attack, and having asked for it, they are attracted to it. 71. In these insane relationships, the attraction of what you do not want seems to be much stronger than the attraction of what you do. For each one thinks that he has sacrificed something to the other and hates him for it. Yet this is what he thinks he wants. He is not in love with the other at all. He merely believes he is in love with sacrifice. And for this sacrifice, which he demanded of himself, he demands the other accept the guilt and sacrifice himself as well. Forgiveness becomes impossible, for the ego believes that to forgive another is to lose him. For it is only by attack without forgiveness that the ego can ensure the guilt which holds all its relationships together. Thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for 71 and 72? Okay, back to you, Lemoyne. In these insane relationships, the attraction of what you do not want seems to be much stronger than the attraction of what you do. For each one thinks he has sacrificed something to the other and hates him for it. Yet this is what he thinks he wants. He is not in love with the other at all. He merely believes he is in love with sacrifice. And for this sacrifice, which he demanded of himself, he demands the other accept the guilt and sacrifice himself as well. Forgiveness becomes impossible, for the ego believes that to forgive another is to lose him. For it is only by attack without forgiveness that the ego can ensure the guilt which holds all its relationships together. <laughs> Yet they only seem to be together. For relationships to the ego mean only that bodies are together. It is always physical closeness that the ego demands, and it does not object where the mind goes or what it thinks, for this seems unimportant. As long as the body is there to receive its sacrifice, it is content. 
To the ego, the mind is private, and only the body can be shared. Ideas are basically of no concern, except as they draw the body of another closer or farther. And it is in these terms that it evaluates ideas as good or bad. What makes another guilty and holds him through guilt is quote-unquote good. What releases him from guilt is quote bad because he would no longer believe that bodies communicate and so he would be quote gone. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 72. Yet they only seem to be together. For relationships to the ego mean only that bodies are together. It is always physical closeness that the ego demands, and it does not object where the mind goes or what it thinks, for this seems unimportant. As long as the body is there to receive its sacrifice, it is content. To the ego, the mind is private, and only the body can be shared. Ideas are basically of no concern, except as they draw the body of another closer or farther. And it is in these terms that it evaluates ideas as good or bad. What makes another guilty and holds him through guilt is quote-unquote good. What releases him from guilt is quote-unquote bad because he would no longer believe that bodies communicate, and so he would be, quote-unquote, gone. 73. Suffering and sacrifice are the gifts with which the ego would, quote-unquote, bless all unions. And those who are united at its altar accept suffering and sacrifice as the price of union. In their angry alliances, born of the fear of loneliness, and yet dedicated to the continuance of loneliness, they seek relief from guilt by increasing it in the other, for they believe that this decreases it in them. The other seems always to be attacking and wounding them, perhaps in little ways, perhaps a quote-unquote unconsciously, yet never without demand of sacrifice. The fury of those joined at the ego's altar far exceeds your awareness of it. For what the ego really wants, you do not realize. Thank you, Fran. And Karen. 73. Suffering and sacrifice are the gifts with which the ego would, quote-unquote, bless all unions. And those who are united at its altar accept suffering and sacrifice as the price of union. In their angry alliances, born of the fear of loneliness, and yet dedicated to the continuance of loneliness, they seek relief from guilt by increasing it in the other, for they believe that this decreases it in them. The other seems always to be attacking and wounding them, perhaps in little ways, perhaps, quote-unquote, unconsciously, yet never without demand of sacrifice. The fury of those joined at the ego's altar far exceeds your awareness of it. But what the ego really wants, you do not realize. 74. 
Whenever you are angry, you can be sure that you have formed a special relationship which the ego has quote-unquote blessed, for anger is its blessing. Anger takes many forms, but it cannot long deceive those who will learn that love brings no guilt at all. And what brings guilt cannot be love and must be anger. All anger is nothing more than an attempt to make someone feel guilty. And this attempt is the only basis which the ego accepts for special relationships. Guilt is the only need the ego has. And as long as you identify with it, guilt will remain attractive to you. Thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie. Seventy-four. Whenever you are angry, you can be sure that you have formed a special relationship which the ego has, quote, blessed, unquote, for anger is its blessing. Anger takes many forms, but it cannot long deceive those who will learn that love brings no guilt at all. And what brings guilt cannot be love and must be anger. All anger is nothing more than an attempt to make someone feel guilty. And this attempt is the only basis which the ego accepts for special relationships. Guilt is the only need the ego has. And as long as you identify with it, guilt will remain attractive to you. 75. Yet remember this, to be with a body is not communication. And if you think it is, you will feel guilty about communication and will be afraid to hear the Holy Spirit, recognizing in his voice your own need to communicate. The Holy Spirit cannot teach through fear. And how can he communicate with you while you believe that to communicate is to make yourself alone? It is clearly insane to believe that by communicating you will be abandoned. And yet you do believe it, for you think that your minds must be kept private or you will lose them. And if your bodies are together, your minds remain your own. The union of bodies thus becomes the way in which you would keep minds apart, for bodies cannot forgive. They can only do as the mind directs. Thank you, Robin Marie and Judy. Yes, yet remember this, to be with the body is not communication. And if you think it is, you will feel guilty about communication and will be afraid to hear the Holy Spirit, recognizing in his voice your own need to communicate. The Holy Spirit cannot teach through fear. And how can he? communicate with you while you believe that to communicate is to make yourself alone. It is clearly insane to believe that by communicating you will be abandoned. Yet you do believe it, for you think that your minds must be kept private or you will lose them. And if your bodies are together, 
your minds remain your own. The union of bodies thus becomes the way in which you would keep minds apart. For bodies cannot forgive. They can only do as the mind directs. The illusion of the autonomy of the body and its ability to overcome loneliness is but the working of the ego's plan to establish its own autonomy. As long as you believe that to be with a body is companionship, you will be compelled to attempt to keep your brother in his body, held there by guilt. And you will see safety in guilt and danger in communication. For the ego will always teach that loneliness is solved by guilt and that communication is the cause of loneliness. And despite the evident insanity of this lesson, we have learned it. Thank you, Judy. And Jessica. 76. The illusion of the autonomy of the body and its ability to overcome loneliness is but the working of the ego's plan to establish its own autonomy. As long as you believe that to be with the body is companionship, you will be compelled to attempt to keep your brother in his body, held there by guilt, and you will held there by guilt, and you will see safety in guilt and danger in communication. <clears throat> For the ego will always teach that loneliness is solved by guilt and that communication is the cause of loneliness. And despite the evident insanity of this lesson, you have learned it. 77. Forgiveness lies in communication as surely as damnation lies in guilt. It is the Holy Spirit's teaching function to instruct those who believe that communication is damnation, that communication is salvation. And he will do so for the power of God in him and you is joined in real relationships so holy and so strong that it can overcome even this without fear. It is through the holy instant that what seems impossible is accomplished, making it evident that it is not impossible. In the holy instant, guilt holds no attraction since communication has been restored. And guilt whose only purpose is to disrupt communication, has no function here. Thank you, Jessica. And let's see, do we have a new reader for... Um, can't see my numbers. 77 and 78. Anyone like to volunteer for 77 and 78? 
All right, Omar, back to you. Okay. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit. The ego will always teach that loneliness is solved by guilt and that communication is the cause of loneliness. And despite the evident insanity of this lesson, I have learned it. Forgiveness lies in communication as surely as damnation lies in guilt. It is the Holy Spirit's teaching function to instruct those who believe that communication is damnation, that communication is salvation. And he will do so for the power of God in him and you is joined in real relationship so holy and so strong that it can overcome even this without fear. It is through the holy instant that what seems impossible is accomplished, making it evident that it is not impossible. <clears throat> In the holy instant, excuse me. <laughs> In the holy instant, guilt holds no ex- attraction. Okay, one more try. In the holy instant, guilt holds no attraction since communication has been restored. And guilt, whose only purpose is to disrupt communication, has no function here. Here there is no concealment and no private thoughts. The willingness to communicate attracts communication to it and overcomes loneliness completely. There is complete forgiveness here, for there is no desire to exclude anyone from your completion in sudden recognition of the value of his part in it. In the protection of your wholeness, all are invited and made welcome, and you understand that your completion is God's whose only need is to have you be complete. For your completion makes you his in your awareness. And here it is that you experience yourself as you were created and as you are. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Fran. 78. Here, there is no concealment and no private thoughts. The willingness to communicate attracts communication to it and overcomes loneliness completely. There is complete forgiveness here, for there is no desire to exclude anyone from your completion in sudden recognition of the value of his part in it. In the protection of your wholeness, all are invited and made welcome. And you understand that your completion is God's, whose only need is to have you be complete. For your completion makes you His in your awareness. And here it is that you experience yourself as you were created and as you are. Thank you, Fran. Let's see. On my list, I have one, two, three, four readers. 
and were we to summarize this in section this section I think four paragraphs stand out paragraph 65 68 78 and 77 so if we read those four paragraphs one more time um, on the list from Fran to Karen I think we would together summarize this section so why don't I call them out and we'll do that okay Karen would you like yeah. to read the first paragraph thank you 68 um, I'm sorry what number uh, 65 sure thank you thank you beyond the poor attractions of this special love relationship and always obscured by it by it is excuse me beyond the poor attraction of the special love relationship and always obscured by it is the powerful attraction of the father for his son there is no other love that can satisfy you because there is no other love this is the only love that is fully given and fully returned being complete it asks nothing being wholly pure everyone joined in it has everything this is not the basis for any relationship in which the ego enters for every relationship on which the ego embarks is special the ego establishes relationships only to get something and it would keep the giver bound to itself through guilt thank you Karen and Robin Marie if you'd like to read 68 please we said before that the ego attempts to maintain and increase guilt but in such a way that you do not recognize what it would do to you for it is the ego's fundamental doctrine doctrine that what you do to others you have escaped the ego wishes no one well yet its survival depends on your belief that you are exempt from its evil intentions it counsels therefore that if you are host to it it will enable you to direct the anger that it holds outward thus protecting you and thus it embarks on an endless unrewarding chain of special relationships forged out of anger and dedicated to but one insane belief that the more anger you invest outside yourself the safer you become thank you Robin Marie and Judy if you'd like to do 77 please sure would thank you Lori forgiveness lies in communication as surely as damnation lies in guilt it is the Holy Spirit's teaching function to instruct those who believe that communication is damnation that communication is salvation 
and he will do so for the power of God in him and you is joined in real relationship so holy and so strong that it can overcome even this without fear it is through the holy instant that what seems impossible is accomplished making it evident that it is not impossible in the holy instant guilt holds no attraction since communication has been restored and guilt whose only purpose is to disrupt communication has no function here uh, and Jessica uh, 78 please here there is no concealment and no private thoughts the willingness to communicate attracts communication to it and overcomes loneliness completely there is complete forgiveness here for there is no desire to exclude anyone from your completion in sudden recognition of the value of his part in it. In the protection of your wholeness, in the protection of your wholeness, all are invited and made welcome. And you understand that your completion is God's, whose only need is to have you be complete. For your completion makes you his in your awareness. And here it is that you experience yourself as you were created and as you are. Mm, amen. Thank you, everyone, who read this morning from this section. Um, contains a lot of really juicy material. I really look forward to our discussion of it after we pause right here at the top of the hour to reflect on our lesson this morning. Uh, to which we will look to you, Fran, uh, to lead us once again, if you please. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. And thanks for reading those paragraphs. That was good. Perfect. Hi, everybody. We are in Review 5. I'm still in the first part of the workbook. And today we are going to review... Well, it's Lesson 172, and we're going to review... Lesson 153, In My Defenselessness, My Safety Lies. And Lesson 154, I Am Among the Ministers of God. So I'm going to read the first paragraph from the introduction and then the prayer that he gives us. And then we'll go on to our five-minute practice on the lessons. Review 5. We now review again. This time we are ready to give more effort and more time to what we undertake. We recognize we are preparing for another phase of understanding. We would take this step completely, that we may go on again more certain, more sincere, with faith upheld more surely. Our footsteps have not been unwavering, and doubts have made us walk uncertainly and slowly on the road this course sets forth. But now we hasten on, for we approach a greater certainty, a firmer purpose, and a surer goal. Steady our feet, our Father, 
Let our doubts be quiet and our holy minds be still. And speak to us. We have no words to give to you. We would but listen to your word and make it ours. Lead our practicing as does a father lead a little child along a way he does not understand. Yet does he follow, sure, that he is safe because his father leads the way for him. So we do, so do we bring our practicing to you. And if we stumble, you will raise us up. If we forget the way, we count upon your sure remembering. We wander off, but you will not forget to call us back. Quicken our footsteps now, that we may walk more certainly and quickly unto you. And we accept the word you offer us to unify our practicing as we review the thought that you have given us. This is the thought which should precede the thoughts that we review. God is love, and therefore so am I. I will go over to our lesson. And we'll, I'll read them, and then we'll do a five-minute practice on it. Lesson 172. God is but love, and therefore so am I. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. God is but love, and therefore so am I. I am among the ministers of God. God is but love. And therefore, so am I.
Lesson 172. God is but love, and therefore so am I. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. God is but love, and therefore so am I. I am among the ministers of God. God is but love, and therefore so am I. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Thank you, friend. Thank you, guys. Fran. In my defenselessness, my safety lies. I love that. When we got when we got to that lesson the first time I ever really read that lesson, I was so happy to know that I did not ever have to defend myself again. And it still stays with me. I love it. I'm complete. Oh boy, that's that's freedom, Fran. Thank you. My so sweet friends, thank uh, you. Yes, I also. I, I'm sure everybody loves that one. We were we were uh, raised to, you know, fight for ourselves, and it's really nice not to have to do that. Know that the Holy Spirit is fighting for us, or not fighting, but like making it work. <laughs> Yes, thank you, friend. Thank you. Good morning. It's Karen. God is but love, and therefore so am I. Um, I was thinking, I just open to what God is extending through me, which is his love, his light, his beingness, his peace. And that's all I want to identify with as myself. But unfortunately, for the past few days, my body has been incredibly loud, you know, not feeling well. So as I was doing this just now, I just felt like I am the love that's flowing through this body to bless and heal it. I'm not the body. Um, I always do this when I get in my car, I always say, well, if I'm driving into the city, you know, into New York, uh, which is, you know, being on these huge interstates and parkway and turnpike and all that, I always say the light of Christ goes in front of me and in back of me, to the left and to the right, above me and below me. Um, Let this car bring no harm to anyone. May it take me safely to and from my destination on time with no tickets with the love of Jesus in my heart and the truth of his message in my mind, totally devoted to the one God forever and ever. So I was just thinking if I applied that to the body, because the body is like my vehicle, you know, that this love of Christ just permeates every cell. Even though it's not me, I don't want to identify with this body as who I am. 
but um, it's just been so loud. I have to find some way to, you know, to work with it. And so then I thought, I'm just going to um, open and bless everything that's in the field of my awareness, you know, and and just stay open. And that's in my defenselessness, my safety lies. If I stay open and let the Holy Spirit just keep extending through me from the source, um, which is the divine, um, then I'm completely open, defenseless, and I'm safe. But the minute I contract and resist something, then I'm, <laughs> then I'm back in the pain and the suffering. And um, I was thinking I'm among the ministers of God just means that's my intention, you know. And if I feel angry and if I feel like I don't like someone, I offer that in openness to the Holy Spirit instead of trying to resist it and pretend to be spiritual, which doesn't work for me at all. It just makes me want to run away from people because I don't want to feel negative. So in order to not feel negative, I have to avoid the whole world. <laughs> that's, that's seemingly my, my, uh, my life, you know. So... Um, I am among the ministers of God because it's all I want is to stay open to the divine to flow through me and to undo my miscreations of whatever this is, this ego um, energy field of anger and uh, attack. I think that's enough. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful, Karen. And I love that prayer. Uh, the way you associate um, driving into the city with the use of the body is actually quite beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. Good morning, it's Harrison, um, and my defenselessness, my safety lies. The only thing that needs defense is my separate personality, myself as a body, my belief in myself as a body. If I totally accept myself as God created me, Spirit, 
Spirit am I, a holy son of God. No body can contain my spirit, nor impose upon me a limitation God created not. Unlimited spirit am I. And as spirit, I need no defense because there is nothing outside of spirit as God created it. There is nothing outside of God. And that's where I reside. In God totally and completely. Unaffected by anything that seems to be happening in this illusory world of bodies. It simply requires a change of mind. from the ego thought system, from the idea of bodies and objects, to the idea of heaven, where I reside where you reside. And if I choose to see only heaven as where we reside, then I recognize that I need no defense and I'm among the ministers of God. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Harrison. That was very complete. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. That was beautiful. Um, this discussion got me thinking a little bit about. Um, oh, it's Robin Marie. Sorry, uh, co-creating with God, our body, and how God co-created with us our body. And 
thinking about doctors and the doctors who know that can tap into that and ask God how to help that person who has whatever problem, a broken leg, a cancer, to heal. And, and that's so beautiful to me that we can um, bring peace and healing to people. I don't know how it really goes along with this conversation, but that's what I was thinking about. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie. This is thank beautiful. you, Robin Marie. Thanks, Robin Marie. Thank you, Robin Marie. This is Jessica. Um, it's just continually um, shocking and amazing to me how, you know, what a complicated maneuvering the ego has done in order to keep us thinking that everything here is real and keep us not just thinking it's real but be staying here. Um, remaining attached to the body and perceiving the world as our home. Um, You know, in paragraph 66, um, he says, it's impossible for the ego to enter into any relationship without anger. For For the ego believes that anger makes friends. And it's like it's like anger is like glue. The anger and the guilt are like glue in relationships. Uh, it's like the fabric that that creates the rela- the special relationship, and and we're like spiders going around weaving uh, weaving all this anger and guilt all around us, you know. And sometimes it gets so thick and tangled up, it it turns into uh, nuclear warheads and um, you know, all of that stuff. Um, this is, it's one attraction is making, is to to keep, to get and keep by making guilty. So it's our, you know, it's our preoccupation. It's, you know, I remember once upon a time I realized that Sitcoms have basically one arc. I don't know where this is coming from. I haven't thought about this for a while, but the arc is like that there's a misunderstanding, someone feels bad, someone's angry at the other person, and then they kind of figure out, oh, no, I misunderstood, and I didn't really do that. And Like, actually, a lot of the jokes are about misunderstandings and communication, and it's funny, and like, oh, I thought you meant this, uh, and that was hilarious. <laughs> um, and it, it's really just showing us, it's showing us what he's telling us, but it's showing it to us. You know, a lot of comedians do the same kind of thing. They just point to the absurdity of our belief system. Um, you know, like why this happened and why we think people are different and why you know, stuff about war and politicians and all of that. 
And we laugh at it because we know it's true. It's all absurd. Um, but it is, it, we can't get out of thinking it's true. I mean, thinking that's the, that is the truth and it's real because the ego wants to keep us here. And if we really, really saw, we would be liberated from the body and the illusion and, and the guilt and the anger. Um, anyway, thank you. I'm complete. Thank you, Jessica. <laughs> thank you for pointing out the insanity. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jessica. Good morning, this is Sandra. <clears throat> and God is but love, and therefore so am I. That's my identity. In my defenselessness, my safety lies because I'm not a body. <laughs> I'm free. I am as God created me, completely united, completely protected, under no laws but God's. I'm not under the laws of this land. I'm not under the doctor's laws. I'm under no laws but God's because I'm not a body. I'm free. So in my defenselessness, it's the only thing that needs to be defended is the body. And I am among the ministers of God is my identity again. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to extend love to the best of my ability. Sometimes it's received, sometimes it's not. But I will continue <laughs> to offer love to the best of my ability because I am among the ministers of God. I'm complete. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah, thank you, Sandra. <laughs> Amen. Uh, your commitment is so generous. Thank you. Boy, this is... Good morning, guys. It's Jude. Um, this is... This text holds um, one of my favorite lines that I, I've always kept steadfast in... Um, you know, watching my thinking, I am responsible for what I think. And um, the idea that anger is nothing more than an attempt to make someone else guilty. You know, that I'm going to point fingers and blame and hold someone else responsible for what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling and letting letting myself, you know, the evident insanity of that, you know, that's what the, the whole of this text is speaking, screaming to me of, you know, that I am a victim of the world. I'm a victim of my own thought, holding myself responsible for my own thinking. Um, this is where the rubber meets the road for me. Uh, suffering and sacrifice are the gifts which the ego would bless all unions, all the relationships, special relationships that I've made. And I'll tell you what, I've learned from experience 
wholehearted, open, honest self-inventory. This speaks, the text speaks of it to me, reminds me of it today, that every relationship which the ego makes is based on the idea that by sacrificing myself, I get bigger. You know, I'm doing you a favor by being good and kind and loving and compassionate. And herein lies the the ego, you know, the humble, um, humble ego with the serious case of um, grandiosity, inferiority and grandiosity, which is, I think, without my um, conscious awareness, how I was functioning to a great degree. And, you know, it was only because I was unaware of it. And this is why I'm bringing it out again for myself, to be completely aware of, um, you know, projecting anger and blame outside of myself. You know, why am I angry? Because I have self-centered fear that has to do with my ego. I'm not going to get something that I want. I'm not going to get my way. I'm going to lose something that I have. And it's all about acquisition, what my ego can get, be it money, property, prestige, you know, what other people, others think of me, what I think of myself, all that has to do with judgment of the self-image, the self-concept. And, you know, that's where I attack myself first, that I don't get angry at anyone, including myself, unless I attack my idea of myself first, my idea of who am I? Who am I in truth and who who am I in reality? You know, am I something that can be attacked? Is anything that I am attackable? Or is anything I am just being and doing the best that I can be? You know, this accurate, honest, open-minded self-inventory. Where is my anger coming from? On whose behalf am, am I being angry? You know, what, looking at the fear that's behind the anger, looking at the attempt to blame and to accuse and condemn, even myself. I can get angry with myself and, and judge and attack myself, and that's the same thing as att- attacking and judging, accusing, and uh, being angry with someone else. And the Lord says, you know, this ain't so. You can't judge yourself. You know not who you are. If you knew who you were, you couldn't even get angry. You couldn't even think of attack. You couldn't even think of blame. These things wouldn't even occur to you. They're meaningless. So, you know, that that it becomes more intimate to me, This the knowing of how I'm thinking and on whose behalf these thoughts are arising. On whose behalf, except the ego, does anger arise? And that's a fact. Because anger is always going to make someone feel guilty. If I'm angry at myself, I'm trying to make myself feel guilty. I shoulda, coulda, woulda did that. You know, that should business, how we should on ourselves and shame and blame ourselves. That says that's, the Course teach, has taught me, look at those 
Anytime you feel guilty, it's of the ego. It's meaningless. <laughs> the ego doesn't know who you are. The world doesn't know who you are. We can't judge ourselves by the world or by the ego's judgments. It knows not anything. It knows nothing. So this is very strong. Um, that love created me like itself. I go right back to paragraph 65. I, God is love and therefore so am I. In the holy instant and pure, true, direct communication with everything as myself. Love is, therefore so am I. Beyond the poor attraction of the special love relationship and always obscured by it is the powerful attraction of the Father for his Son. There is no other love than the love of God and for his Son and the Son for his Father. That can satisfy me because there is no other love. This is the only love that is fully given and fully returned, being complete. It asks for nothing. It asks for nothing. Being wholly pure, everyone joined in it has everything. So I'm either free in the love of God or in bondage to a small-minded, self-seeking, fear-filled, angry and guilt-projecting ego. <laughs> Ooh, take your pick. <laughs> oh, I'm not in bondage to an ego. I am not imprisoned by an ego. I am not. I will not be. I am host to God today. And being a minister, I have to receive these messages for myself before I can be a good teacher. I can't save anybody until I save myself. There I go. There I go. Five minutes. I'm up. Thank you. I love you. And I um, am with everyone equally on this journey home. And home is heaven and heaven is within us. Amen. Amen indeed. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Really, really happy you came back to that first paragraph. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And, uh, you know, uh, my story briefly was that um, I fell into a holy instant of atonement after five dedicated years of pursuing a special relationship with all my power and with all my heart. So, uh, given that bit of history, um, you probably can see why I love this mind that gives us this work because he knows me so well and so perfectly that he can describe 
everything I did um, as a consequence of belief that love is sacrifice. And all the suffering that I I suffered, <laughs> all the pain I suffered, boy, those were five really terrible years because I gave up everything for this special relationship that uh, could not be made to happen under my own volition. And, um, and when I finally realized this is too painful, uh, I don't care what happens. I, I can't go on like this. It turns out I commended my spirit into the hands of my father. And a holy instant occurred. And, it, and so I can tell you with deep personal conviction that everything he says about the holy instant and special relationships and everything he says about the holy instant and communication is absolutely true. If someone, you know, if I had read all this in the midst of everything I was going through, uh, maybe it would have helped. I, I couldn't say. I know lots of people, um, I mean, the whole the whole movement of Codependence Anonymous is based on exactly how he describes the ego relationship in paragraph 71. You know, what is codependence except that my belief in sacrifice demands your sacrifice and you don't sacrifice and therefore you should feel guilty. And neither one of us are complete. I mean, that's, that's the, whole, the whole thrust of Codependence Anonymous. <laughs> Admitting I'm, I'm demanding sacrifice of you because I demand it of myself. And now I don't understand the nature of this relationship at all. It's the whole ego shtick, you know, if you, if you want to put it that way. And when I was in the midst of it, um, there's no way I could have escaped on my own. And that's why paragraph 77 is so personally meaningful to me. Because it turned out my story turned out exactly as he describes it in 77 and 78. So at this point in my uh, journey, when I do that, um, what happens? <laughs> I mean, it was a habit more than... Um, well, no, that's not true. It was a drive. But all of the maneuvering that ego does to make someone else feel guilty by sacrificing myself. That sort of maneuvering, um, what's the word for that? Um, conditioned, yeah. It, it's, in my story anyway, it was conditioned into me because uh, my mother believed in sacrifice more than she believed in communication. And I was sort of conditioned into that way of looking at the world and myself and all relationships. But uh, the holy instant and communication, what seems impossible to the ego, it seems impossible to the ego, and it is. But the holy instant of communication sets everything right, and it turned out... Um, 
that it was revealed to me that everything I believed was wrong because everything God wants me to know about the communication of love was so absolutely true in that instant of restored communication. It turns out, you know, I did a search this morning. It's a very interesting search, but I did a search on communication and creation. And it turns out um, that this restoration of communication is the end of separation. And the means for the restoration of communication that the Holy Spirit uses is the holy instant. That instant in which I give to the Holy Spirit and say, I do not want this. This is not what I want. Tell me the truth of this. And that simultaneous movement of willingness uh, opens the door, opens the floodgates for the restoration of the truth. I had no idea what the truth was. You know, I was thoroughly convinced, as is everyone who embarks upon an ego relationship, thoroughly convinced that sacrifice is the way uh, to have a good relationship. I sacrifice myself. If you don't sacrifice yourself, then you need to feel guilty. And that chain of of special relationship is built and reenacted over and over again. It's it's not a pretty thing, um, but once I see it's something I don't want, I I wind up opening the door to what God would have me have. I can't imagine, and and I couldn't have imagined the glory of restored communication in the holy instant. But that moment of willingness is what uh, is what God was waiting for, so that He could tell me the truth and restore to me the communication that He desired to share with me. That communication being love, God is but love, and therefore so am I. And it turns out that love is the nature of all relationships. Love is is communication, and communication is creation because that's the thought system of love. And all it takes is a little willingness to step away from my idea and side with Holy Spirit for an instant. Um, so anyway, all I can say is, is I love this mind who knows my error so thoroughly that he can light it up and show it to me for my awareness so that I can learn not to invest in that anymore and change my investment into truth. I wanted to say just a little bit about how power of decision is my own. Um, works in this instant. I can't of my own, and and I don't believe I ever could of my own, arrive at forgiveness. 
Forgiveness is actually the opposite of the ego. What needs forgiven is the ego's belief. And I can't free myself. If I could free myself, uh, I wouldn't have been in such a pickle. Um, if we could free ourselves, but I couldn't, and I could not arrive at forgiveness without help. And um, I castigated myself for that for many years afterwards when I found myself involved in another special relationship. I know that forgiveness is my freedom, but how do I get there? I can't forgive because now I have a thought. I have an unforgiving thought. And with my own thoughts, I can't free my mind from thoughts. Anger follows from thoughts. Everything follows from thoughts. And he says early on in this work, like you can't free yourself from fear. It requires not mastery of fear, but mastery of love. I need help for that. I need the Holy Spirit for that. And um, to... He says, when blame is withdrawn from without, we tend to harbor it within. And and, um, and I did. For a long time, I had another special relationship 15 years later um, in, in a job. And, um, and, and was investing my mind and my thoughts improperly. And... Um, and that had consequences for communication. And I knew I had to forgive. I knew that. But I, I couldn't do it. And that's the real blessing of the Holy Spirit. And the real blessing of, of what he talks about in what is forgiveness. He says real clearly that forgiveness looks and waits and judges not. And then let the Holy Spirit show you what to do. And that's uh, the real gift. So when I'm thinking, um, when I'm sitting around thinking, <laughs> as, as I do sometimes, when I'm in a pickle with my thoughts, and I say, oh, Lord, you know, all you have to do is turn to forgiveness. No. The better way for me is all you have to do is turn the Holy Spirit and let him tell me the truth of this while I look and wait and judge not. And then the gift of forgiveness is given me. I don't forgive. I can't forgive when I'm stuck in an ego thought. And my thoughts cannot free me. I, I need the freedom uh, granted me in the Holy Spirit to show me that my safety is always there. My defenselessness is where my safety lies. And uh, the power of decision is my own. Where do I look to find my freedom? Uh, I'm complete. Well, thanks for that, Lori. Thank you. Thank you, Lori.
thank you, Lori, for your share and, um, you know, your clarity on how we confuse sacrifice for love, um, which the Course is really attempting to make clear to me today. Thank you. Thanks, Judy. Gosh, I'm glad you said that because um, that highlighted another thing that has been really uh, meaningful to me. Um, because I, this pattern of sacrifice, um, I really wanted to free my mind of that idea. And when I came upon the one little sentence in this work that says, blessing is the opposite of sacrifice, um, I was able to turn that that whole idea of sacrifice around. One day, I was, uh, I've told this story before, and, and we all can relate to um, to going about your daily business and being involved in a transaction. You go to purchase something at the store or, or whatever the case may be, uh, where you're called upon to spend some money for something that you want. Now, that's just an everyday transaction, but... Um, I discovered to my uh, amazement that I was thinking of those kind of transactions as sacrifice and something different. Uh, I could approach it differently. And, uh, and when I discovered that, oh my God, did things change for me. Um, I had this, we have this house that's a little bit old and needed a lot of repair. And um, I did all kinds of things to try and figure out where do I go to find the most honest and reliable person to help me with this. And I was looking at that, at all transactions like that, as something where I'm going to sacrifice a little bit of trust and some money and um, a transaction, especially trust, that someone will do something for me correctly. But in my heart, I believed that I was purchasing something that I wanted that was going to cost me and I would have to spend trust in order to get it. I was looking at all transactions like that when I discovered that blessing is the opposite of sacrifice. And so I thought, I'm going to play with this idea. I, I need to play with this to find out how true this is. And so I did a simple transaction, drove to the pharmacy, where you change money for drugs, okay? <laughs> and every, I realized every time I did that before, I was approaching it with this idea of sacrifice. But what if I approached it with the idea of blessing? Oh my God, did things change for me? When I realized this lady would like an opportunity to bless me, and I would like an opportunity to bless her, how can this be made manifest in this transaction? It rocked my world. And then I started doing that with uh, people that were helping me at the house. This person wants to bless me. And oh my God, things that would have horrified me before that needed repair and frightened me, I was, I was welcoming them. Oh my God, this is an opportunity to bless me and be blessed. And um, that idea rocked my world. That blessing is the opposite of sacrifice. And um, I discovered every single relationship uh, is rocked to its core 
when I realized this is another opportunity for me to bless and be blessed. And um, anyway, gee whiz, I'm glad you, you brought that up, Judy, because that was a major shifting point for me in all relationships, realizing that blessing is the opposite of sacrifice. And if I make that gesture or recognition of opportunity to bless and be blessed, it's all changed everywhere. Um, anyway, I'm complete. Oh, that was huge. Thank you, Lori. So, yeah, thank you, Lori. <laughs> so, uh, the, um, the getting and giving, giving to get, that the way that the thinking in the ego operates, giving for gain or, or loss, and that I can gain or that I can lose, that, and then the the, um, the completion of the giving and receiving as one complete thought, that there is nothing to gain or nothing to lose because we're already complete. That's why there's no fear in it. It, because it doesn't think that way. <laughs> everything is given to everyone equally, and everyone has everything equally. That's the, the, the perspective, that everything is a blessing, and everything that I give my whole entire self is a blessing, and that I can, as an idea, give myself completely, because it's all just ideas. There's nothing to get. In, actu- in actual reality, that love is total. The total reality of it is its totality. <laughs> that was great, though. I love that, Lori. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Judy. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Um, looking at the ego sometimes is is um, very distressing to look clearly at it but that's um, that's where I learned to make a different investment so um, thank you everyone who read this material that isn't pleasant um, but is useful and uh, and I really appreciate it the opportunity to talk about it and um, see how it interferes with real communication that my father desires for me something that that Karen brought up um, led me to um, led me to a really good place to to um, end this recording it's in chapter 8 and the title of this section is communication and the ego body equation and I think this is really useful information. Let's see. What I wanted to highlight specifically is chapter 8, paragraph 55. If you use... No, wait. Yeah. If you use the body for attack, it is harmful to you. If you use it only to reach the minds of those who believe they are bodies and teach them through the body that this is not so, you will begin to understand the power of the mind that is in both of you. If you use the body for this and only for this, 
You cannot use it for attack. In the service of uniting, oh, I love this sentence. In the service of uniting, it becomes a beautiful lesson in communion, which has value until communion is. This is God's way of making unlimited what you have limited. The Holy Spirit does not see the body as you do because he knows the only reality anything can have is the service it can render God on behalf of the function he has given it. So good news, communication ends separation. Attack promotes it. The body is beautiful or ugly, holy or savage, helpful or harmless, harmful, according to the use to which it is put. And in the body of another, this is why, this is why your brother is a mirror, as long as perception lasts, in the body of another, you will see the use to which you have put yours. If the body becomes for you a means which you give to the Holy Spirit to use on behalf of union of the sonship, you will not see anything physical except as what it is. Use it for truth, and you will see it truly. Misuse it, and you will misunderstand it because you've already done so by misusing it. Interpret anything apart from the Holy Spirit, and you will mistrust it. This will lead you to hatred and attack and loss of peace. And add to that paragraph 62. Healing is the result of using the body solely for communication. Since this is natural, it heals by making whole, which is also natural. All mind is whole, and the belief that part of it is physical or not mind is a fragmented or sick interpretation. Mind cannot be made physical, but it can be made manifest through the physical if it uses the body to go beyond itself by reaching out. The mind extends itself, does not stop at the body, for if it does, it is blocked in its purpose. How about that? Body is beautiful or ugly, holy or savage, according to the use to which it is put. That's why God who is love, God is but love, and therefore so am I, so meaningful. Communication is restored. Amen. And thank you all, thank you all, thank you all for helping me understand how we can truly communicate.